The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power. G'day everybody and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining us, as always, is Porsche. Macca, wow. I'm, we're in the last week. We're in the last week of draft profiles of WA today. There's a couple of players here that are okay, so I'm pretty excited. That's good. That's good. I think this is a good batch, and there's uh, quite a few players that do relate to Port Adelaide and, and where we might pick, I guess. So, yeah, it should be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm 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 pretty stoked. And honestly, I was I was feeling a bit there the last few days, and then an hour into this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to talk about draftees soon. <laughs> That's yes. how, pathetic, how pathetic is that? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't believe we're on our last week already. I know, I know. And then the big At the end of this, we would have we would have detailed a hundred players in this year's draft. Wow, 100. that's not bad. That's, that's not bad. That's extreme. Yeah. Who else does that? No one. Well, apart from the entire draft sport, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, well a lot, lot of them only go up to like thirty or that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Rookies. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> They're probably listening to this. G'day, guys. You do a great job. Yeah, yeah. You're fine. But yeah. but don't don't keep giving us these short guys in fandom drafts. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Right. Now, let's get straight into it and talk about our first player, which is uh, the great mm. Sam Petrevsky-Seaton from Claremont, who's a 181-centimetre, uh, 76-kilo inside midfielder. I reckon he plays a hell of a lot like Peter Burgoyne, like, um, latter, like mid-career Peter Burgoyne. Um, near Norm Smith medal, Peter Burgoyne, I reckon. He's a, he's a great dual-sided midfielder, um, really strong on the inside, finds plenty of footy at stoppages. Um, and look, he went into this year considered a massive <coughs> chance to be the number one pick. In, in fact, I think he was a lot of people's sort of number one pick um, come sort of January or February this year. Uh, won the Kevin Sheehan medal in 2014 as the best player at the uh, Under-16 Championships. Backed that up with All-Australian honours last year as a bottom major. So he had a wonderful pedigree going into this year. Yeah, look, I mean, I think he's a really uh, exciting draft prospect for a lot of reasons. Um, I think that, I don't know, I mean, I almost feel like he's so good in the contest, like in uh, the fall of the ball and at stoppages, that I think he's almost been forced to neglect other aspects of his game. Yeah. Because he is so good in the contest that you, you, why would you never, why would you ever want him anywhere other than you know at the fall of the ball, realistically? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I've got a little bit of doubt about his around the ground. I'm not sure his deep vision is all that fantastic. But when you're as good near the stoppages as you are, as he is, then you know who cares? Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like he can read the play exceptionally well. He's a one grab play, super super yeah. clean, uh, really good on both sides of his body, creative with his handballs. Um, he's a beautiful kick. Uh, he really excels, I reckon, when there's traffic. Um, yeah. That's when the uh, when his sort of evasiveness really comes to the fore, which Absolutely. I think is really, really good. He's got good agility, that real sort of low center of gravity as well. And, and you know, he's pretty tough. He puts his head over the bowl, doesn't mind getting a knock here or there. Um, I would like to see him get some more bowl on the outside, uh, just because I do think his skills are very, very good. He's not a goal kicker. He only kicked... Mm. Um, I think two goals uh, for the season this year um, in, what, uh, 13 games. So he's not a goal kicker. That's probably something that he could really sort of work on, is uh, being able to push forward and, and kick goals up forward. But um, 
overall, uh, yeah, he's a he's a stunner and certainly one of the elite in this year's draft. Yeah, look, I mean, he's really got to be a midfield coach's dream because he is the guy that can execute every weird play you might write down on a bit of paper. Um, <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to. Um, he he can read it. He can he he can see through it well enough. Um, and for a guy that's you know a smaller player, I mean, he's got a, a vision disadvantage usually. But he can still get through it and he knows where he has to get the ball to. Um, I don't know, like, I think for a little while there was probably a bit of doubt after after the Richard Tambling didn't work out years and years ago. There's probably a little bit of, eh, do you draft the smaller guys that early? And, I mean, he's a hugely different prospect. The fact that he might get drafted around the same spot is kind of phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, he's a really good player. He's a really good player. Um, and when he has the opportunity to come into an AFL side as not the core midfielder, he'll develop those other aspects of his game a bit better and that'll fix all the gaps, basically. Yeah, I would think so as well. Look, he mm. didn't have a great year this year. He struggled with a hamstring. I think he missed something like six or seven weeks with uh, some sort of intermittent hamstring issue. Mm. Um, only played Colts footy this year, which I think was a huge disappointment. I'm sure he's disappointed with that as well. After playing senior senior waffle um, last year as a 16-, 17-year-old, um, and how well he played at the championships last year. I'm, I'm sure he would have been expecting to make All-Australian again this year and and really sort of cement himself in Claremont's uh, senior team, but uh, just didn't work out that way. Look, honestly, I don't mind that because I think that the the fact that he will be, he is a player that you want to have at every fall of the ball means that the body has to be right. And if he had, I mean, he had a hamstring injury during this year, even playing at Coles, yeah? If he's going up against Manum, he's going to get other issues as well. Um, he needs to develop, like every player in this draft. He needs to develop physically. He he certainly can, um, but I, I can totally understand keeping him at that lower level and um, just letting him get the midfield minutes he needs to show what he can really do. And yeah. I think he's had that opportunity. I think it's all worked out brilliantly for him, frankly. I don't okay. think. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else can you expect to get out of the year apart from that people reckon you're going to the top five of the draft? Yeah. <laughs> like for any any seventeen, eighteen year old, like that's. That's you, you, That's been a good year. What, however you did it, well done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, very true. Um, where do you see sort of scope for the future? Do you have any concerns about his game going to AFL level? Um, my concern is that he ends up at a club that is not good at coaching. Um, so what I mean by that is, like I just said, he's a midfield coach's dream in that I think that if you put him in a side that has a good system, he will excel absolutely and probably from day one. I think yeah. if you put him in a side that is kind of up and down, maybe the coaches aren't all on the same page and all that sort of thing, like, I think that'll be much more of a struggle for him. And if the development co- and if the development coaches and the fitness guys aren't up to speed, then that'll hugely impact his performance as well. So I think he's one of those guys that, look, it's kind of good that not, not terrible teams have got a, a few early picks this year because hopefully he will go to one of them. And not a gutted side, but who knows, Fremantle might get their way and then I don't know what happens. I guess yeah. he's got enough midfield support around him if he does go there to be okay, mm-hmm. but there's a few clubs that you'd sort of think, <laughs> if he goes to Gold Coast, I think he's in trouble. Yeah. I think uh, my concern is that I think he's quite an introverted person, like a personality type, oh. and I think he's going to need a club that can really sort of coax his personality out and help him develop as a, not, not just as a footballer, but as a person as well. Um, I think out of the, I think there's a clear top six in this draft and that's obviously McCluggage, McGrath, Ainsworth, 
Bose, Taranto, and um, Petrovsky, Seaton. And I think of those six players, I, I still think that Petrovsky, Seaton might have uh, the most potential to fail out of those six. Um, if there's going to be one that doesn't sort of live up to potential, it might be him. But if he does, he's going to be an absolute superstar. Like He's got every possible skill you would look for in a midfielder. Um, great kick, great vision, tough, finds the ball, clearance winner. Um, he's also the sort of guy that's going to win you a, a Norm Smith medal, I think, on, on grand final day. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you're saying is kind of like I'm agreeing with that um, with my previous statement, which is that I think he needs to go into a settled side because that will have that support base that he needs to develop as a player and as an adult, you know. Um, It's hard when the team that you go to is in turmoil and changing coaches and changing players. And like like I said, if he ends up at Gold Coast, he's in trouble, in my view. Um, That'd be really, really tough for him. Um, Some other players might not care but I think that would be hard for him to fit into that side. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I reckon, well, he'd probably start playing straight away at Gold Coast. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know. I think, um, I don't know, maybe, look, I think the thing that uh, really holds him in good stead is that he wants to move away from home. Like, he wants to go to Melbourne and play football. Mm. Um, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Where do you see him sort of going? Do you see him going to Gold Coast with those sort of four picks inside the top ten? Or, obviously, Frio would be super keen with pick seven as well. Um, look, I mean, those are probably the two favourites to pick him, right? Um, I, look, I, like I said, I've, I've got doubts about Gold Coast. Um, like, I'm not even sure that Rodney will be there all that long. So, oh, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like the pick. I don't, I don't like the pick for Gold Coast, but I see why they would make it, and I think that it's one of those ones where they could be trading a player home in three years' time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's quite possible, but I think um, with a player that good, you've probably got to take that chance. If he's there, maybe with their pick eight or something, you know, if Rio don't take him and they look somewhere yeah. else, uh, pick yeah. eight, you've you got to pick him. You've absolutely 100% got to pick him with pick eight. Well, I mean, if you wanted to be, if you're Gold Coast with all those picks, I mean, you, you take English before Frio can, and then they'll definitely take him, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. That is right. Um, yeah, one of the guns of the draft, and uh, it's going to be great to see how he develops uh, next year and in the future as well. Yeah, I think so. But, yeah, he, he's he's going to spin the roulette wheel, and he'll either end up somewhere perfect or somewhere catastrophic, I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, next player is uh, Noah Hara from the Peel Thunder, who's 187 mm. centimetre, 78 kilo, uh, back flank or outside midfielder. Plays a lot like uh, Sean Atley, <laughs> I reckon. Um, also has the uh, the uh, the negatives of Sean Atley as well, I reckon. He's a uh, an outside creator. He's got really good speed. I think he's got a really good sort of attacking outlook on the game. Loves to receive the ball and, and take the game on. Has a good run and, you know, he's quite an aggressive player. Uh, reasonable defensively, um, but there's still a lot not to like about him. I think his kicking needs a hell of a lot of work. He lacks refinement and he puts his teammates under a lot of pressure. Look, his kicking's bad, but his decision-making's worse. Um, I, <laughs> that's, that's, and that's the killer. You can work on the kick, but when the decision-making isn't there and you're an outside defender mid and it's obvious, that's... You're not doing well. Um, yeah, I, I think when he's up against... When you're going to be looked to as the player to sort of receive the ball and run it and deliver yep. it, 
you want to be uh, you want to be hitting those targets. Yeah, it, it's kind of like I mean he he makes mistakes and uh, yeah we all know that Pittard makes mistakes but Pittard made mistakes always with the promise of what you could see was happening downfield, whereas whereas mistakes are a bit more like Cameron Shea mistakes um, yeah. in that they're just damaging. Uh, yeah. I think there's still a little bit to like about him. I, I, I do like his aggressiveness. I like his speed. Um, I like how he takes the game on. I think he could play further up the field, maybe on a wing, and do an all right job there as well. Um, but if he if he can't improve his kicking, then he's he's really sort of no hope, I think, to make it. Which is kind of disappointing because he was part of the AIS AFL Academy at the start of the year. So obviously he's got a hell of a lot of talent to be part of that group. Uh, but it just hasn't really sort of worked out for him this year. He played the one game at uh, at senior level for Peel, got the five touches, uh, played two games at the championships, um, looked all right at Colts level, uh, got a lot more of the ball there. Um, but overall, I guess, uh, where do you see him sort of going? Or do you see him going? Um, he might go somewhere, but if he does, good luck to him. Um, I don't want him at Port. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you say he was a part of the academy, but like there's a couple of academy players that you just think have they played football? So I don't know. Is that has it kind of isn't that, is it not as good as it was, or is it just that I don't know? Well, I think I, it's I, based on obviously how you're performing as a 16 or 17 year old, and yeah, well, I think yeah. he had a pretty good year last year, and um, obviously played some some really really good footy to uh, to be part of that group. Because it feels to me like they are taking. Um, athletes still like we used to do you know years ago and then trying to turn them into footballers and I think that might be where this is coming from um, yeah. yeah but I mean I, I guess look we were talking about his draft ability um, look at the last few premiership sides none of them have room for an outside defender that has this poor decision making or disposal like not a single one of them there's no room. So he that's what everyone's looking at. They're looking at what's been working for multiple premierships in a row, and he's not yet. So I think I think he could go undrafted. Yeah. It's it's very possible. Look, I'm I'm looking at his stats from last year now, and you can certainly see why he might have been part of that academy. He averaged about nineteen touches and kicked well over a goal a game at Colts level for Peel. So yeah. uh, especially through the back end of that season he was regularly getting sort of a high twenties and uh, and a couple of goals a game. So uh Certainly had a lot of talent. Um, I can see him going as a rookie pick. And I think as a rookie pick, he probably holds a bit of value because he's someone that if you work on his kicking and work on his decision-making and he comes good, then he's certainly got some uh, other sort of AFL traits there. I think the, the, <laughs> I think you're always going to, in my view, you're always going to have a better opportunity to do the reverse and take a guy that has good decision-making and a good kick and just make them a bit fitter. Um, I would rather work on those prospects than the rookie list personally. The Cameron Hewitt. Uh, yeah, well, look, I mean, I think it's probably the most um, tested. And I think it's, if you look at the players that do come off the rookie list, they're mostly in that category. Like they're usually guys that were considered too slow or whatever else. And it's the athletic, it's the athletic, athletic boost that they get from being in an AFL training regime that gets them onto the main list. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of these guys that, Physically, they're there, but their decision-making kicking's off, and I don't think they come up from the rookie list. I don't think they do. I, I, I can't think of a single example. Oh, I think um, uh, Jason Johannesson's probably an example of that. Oh, really? What was wrong with his decision-making? I don't think his decision-making was all that great when he was drafted. I think he was mm. pretty raw in that aspect, and people saw his, his running and his ability to sort of carry the ball um, and thought they'd give him a, a bit of a shot. Yeah, all right. I'm not going to dig into it, so let's just agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Fair 
Fair enough. That's all right. Well, let's move on and uh, talk about the next player, which is uh, Luke Stranatica from East yeah. Fremantle. He's 199 centimetre, 93 kilo, full forward uh, slash ruckman, second ruck. Uh, play comparison is probably someone like Tyrone Vickery. Um, Porsche, I, I believe you're a big fan. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to say he's... Okay, the thing about... This is, this is the comment I just made about uh, AFL Academy players. This is another one that I just think, I don't know, like, what have they been doing to him? Like, has, has, he, has he been going to Canberra and then going and buying fireworks and porn? What, what's he been doing? <laughs> well, he had a, just, just to cut you off, he had a big year last year. He did have a really big yeah. year. He kicked 33 goals in 12 games. Um, showed some really, really good form for WA at the uh, under-18 champs as a bottom major. So, look, you can certainly see why he was part of the AIS Academy as well. Obviously, he had a, had a huge year and displayed a lot of sort of raw talent, but... Um, yeah, it just didn't really uh, kick on at all this year. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're looking for a player type, from what we can see, like for me, it's more Chris Dawes, but Chris Dawes at this level, um, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got it. He just doesn't, he doesn't seem smart enough as a footballer. He he obviously tries pretty hard, and you've got to give that credit to him. And I think that's part of the way the WA junior team pretty much always seems to be, is that they want you to have a really good crack at everything you do. And that's, I mean, every player in that WA side, you would say, is one of those sort of players. So that's a general coaching thing. And I think that's been driven into him. Um, Maybe that's making him worse than he is. Maybe he's not the guy that is happy to be constantly going at full pace and and constantly having to think on his feet all the time. Mm. Um, not, Not every player is, and it might be that that, style of the underage competition isn't suiting him for the state the state level um who knows i, I don't know um i just think he lacks the uh probably the athleticism and the agility like yeah i think last year you looked at him and you thought oh he's got pretty good pace for a tall guy and he's got a decent leap and you know, he's got huge arms like you know dustin fletcher like arms so he's got massive reach can take a good mark um, but it just went away this year, and you know his lack mm. of pace probably started to show up a little bit more. Um, I think he's reasonably good on a lead, but um, if he doesn't mark it, then he's completely out of the contest. Yeah, and he's, he's sort of turned into like James Seller. Yeah, he's. The, I think the thing that really holds against him is just how lethargic he looks on the field. Like he, to me, he looks really lethargic, really sort of lackadaisical. Um, I think that's probably something that's um, going to hold against him and maybe even cost him a spot in getting drafted at all anywhere. Yeah, look, I mean, it was not a, a great season um, that we could see. So, um, look, I don't, I don't want him at Port. I, I think that he is a worse prospect than redrafting Mason Shaw, quite honestly. So, um, <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Mm. All right. He did actually yeah. have... Like he kicked goals at the champs. I'll give him that. He kicked uh, he kicked yeah, eight goals but... in his four games, seven across the first two games. Uh, kicked seventeen goals in twelve games at uh, Waffle Colts level, but there was just not the development there. Uh, super inconsistent. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you know when you look. Sometimes players do that. You know, so there's a history of players who had big years as a sixteen or seventeen year old as a bottom major, and look like they were going to be you know sort of projected towards like a first round pick and then they just stop developing. Like it's it's natural. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think this is probably a case where it's happened. Yeah, I agree. And then you've got the opposite, which is uh, someone like Tim yeah. English, who we're going to talk about next, who's um, mm. from South Frio, who's 203 centimetres, 86 kilo, plays as a ruckman, could also uh, 
play as a key position forward or defender if he wanted to as well. Very much a project ruckman. He is stick thin, uh, but he's got great pace, really good agility, um, really good intensity at the contest as well. Uh, great skills for a ruckman uh, for someone his size. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Tim? Because obviously he's someone that we've spoken about a lot on the Port Adelaide Forum on Big Footy, um, and he's certainly someone that uh, could could be around our pick and someone that we might be interested in. Look, he's um he's the uh, first round pick ruckman, right? That's always scary as hell. That's that's <laughs> just that, that's for any. I think every club in the league. I reckon every recruit in the league would say that the Druckmann that looks like he's a first-round pick is the scariest proposition for a recruiter because yeah. the they you know they're either Knight and Nui or they're Barry Brooks, yeah. Like yeah. that's the kind of the scope for them is absolutely huge. They are an absolute yeah. boom or bust proposition. There's not a lot of just okay Ruckman come out of it. Um, Matthew Lobby's probably the closest to that, and he's he's the wrong side of just okay yeah. at the moment. Um, look, he's got he, he competes properly. Uh, he's he is involved around the ground, um, so he covers those things that you want in the the modern ruckman. He's you know he's got the fitness base and all those sorts of things you want. He could improve on all those things, but you know he's an eighteen year old ruckman. So what do you want? Um, I don't know. I just think his ruck work is just kind of eh. And oh yeah, it comes down to what do you see the future of ruck work being at AFL level? Um, does it become more like a tap off in basketball in the future? Like, is there less physical content contact between the ruckmen? Which you'd have to say, like in five years' time, maybe there will be rule changes to that effect. Well, we said this with uh, Matthew Lobie and John O'Giles when we drafted yeah. them, and they were stick thin. Oh, they looked very, very similar to what Timmy English uh... does now. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying he's stick thin, but I'm just thinking more about the rucking style. Like, oh, I yeah, don't... That, that's my entire point. Was like yeah. we. Obviously, Choco's idea was that football would become less contested and we wanted yes, these sort of thin, mobile uh, tolls who could sort of play multiple positions and run all around the field like Justin Westhoff does. And yeah. still here we are, you know, 10 years later and you still want your big gorilla forwards and, and your big, well-built ruckman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's still extremely important. Oh, no, I don't agree. I still think... But even you going want... back 20 years with Jeff White, like, yeah, he was another sort of yeah, mobile but they changed and the game. They tried he, to change the game to sort of did. suit that style. They I did, though. still don't know if it worked or not. Oh, he suddenly went from being like, oh, he's not going to make it to, oh, yeah, he's right up there now. And, <laughs> you know, so I, I think a lot of that was rule changes, honestly. They decided they wanted his this high-leaping, under-height ruck style ahead of the, the big lump. Um, there's not a lot of big lumps that aren't athletic now. You have to be that combo now. Yeah. Um, look, Tim English, I, I've got nothing against him. If he's there at 14, I think, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. He's like almost, oh, I don't know, he's so hard to rate because, look, I think in terms of his football now, so I think he's got great football IQ. I think he's got great skills, knows where to run, picks up a lot of the ball, good intensity, all that sort of stuff, wonderful. His ruck work at the moment is incredibly raw and at times terrible. I'll have yep. to say that. He often jumps too early or is out of position or you know taps to his opponents. But I think the raw physical tools are there. And I think that's often something completely different to what Ruckman at this age have. Is that mm. Um, mm. You know, they've got great ruck work, but they can't kick, they can't run, they can't do all this other stuff, and they have to learn how to do that. Um, but, but does so that make him Josh Fraser? About it from a, well, quite possibly. Um, yeah. But that's why he's not going to go pick one, and that's why yeah, you're going to pick him sort of, you know, either 
seven or ten or fourteen or wherever. Um, but yeah, look, I, f- I think there's definitely concerns there that he's not going to become the ruckman that people think he might come um, because of that sort of issue with his his poor ruck work at the moment. And he's got to really sort of learn how to do that. Um, but I still think if he if he fails there, I still think there's a really decent key position player uh, in the making. Uh, I don't know about that. I think he's good in the Brogan defence role, but I don't know about a key position player. I reckon he'd be pretty good up forward. I think he's got a decent mark. Mm-hmm. I think he's got really good pace, um, leads well, obviously, um, and that sort of intensity as well. I think he's really good with the ground ball. So I think if if he doesn't make it as a ruckman, I think he's still going to play plenty of games um, as some sort of key position player. Look, I mean, for me, the, this comes down to something that watching we can't tell, and it's going to come down to what a guy like Brendan Lay thinks of his coachability. Realistically, if he hasn't interviewed him, then we shouldn't draft him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's an absolute non-negotiable. So, uh, Port, if you're listening, <laughs> don't don't get Brendan on the phone to him or just scratch him off your list immediately, um, because it's just you know if he sees that the guy, if he sees that Tim can learn if the, if you know if he's been talked to during the year if he's been speaking to Tim English during the year and saying hey you need to improve this and he's shown signs of improvement and ability to adapt his game accordingly then he suddenly becomes a much more viable proposition mm. but if he has not been able to take in these instructions or more importantly he understands them in theory but then in practice he doesn't have the awareness to execute them then that's a huge problem and that would be a sign that you shouldn't draft him you're 100% right, though. Like, trying to pick Ruckman and project mm. where they're going to end up, like, that's a terrible job. Whoever's mm. job that is, I mm. don't envy you at all because <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen. Because you look at uh, you look at young key position players and generally speaking, all the good key position forwards, at least, come at the top end of the draft. Yep. You know, they're, they're pretty much all going to be first-round picks you might get the odd sort of diamond in the rough later on, but it's very, very rare. Um, and Ruckman is almost 180 degrees the other way. Like, picking first yeah. round Ruckman, yeah, good luck. <laughs> you know, more power to you if you get it right. If you get it wrong, well, you know, told you so, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But rookie mm-hmm. Ruckman, like pretty much all the best Ruckman of the last sort of 15, 20 years have been rookie picks. Like, how do you work that out? Like, it's just... You know, trying it's... to determine who's going to make it and who's not going to as a ruckman is non impossible. Well, look, I mean, we talk about this being a ruckman specific problem, but when you could draft seventeen year olds, you had the same problem with the seventeen year old midfielders and key position players. Yeah. Like it, it literally is just an age thing. You know, if we were drafting ruckman at nineteen or twenty, then they would be in the same category as key position forwards. We'd know by then. We'd know. Yeah. But because they are still, you know, the delayed development, because they're still getting bigger and then they're building on top of bigger, um, it takes longer. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard to say. Like, you can't, this is one of the things where you say, oh, it would be good if we raise the draft age. But then as soon as you do that, then you immediately exclude anyone that can't sit around mum and dad's for two years working part-time at Macca's, you know. Yeah, um, well, that's right. <laughs> and, and, of course, there's genuine, genuinely players that are good enough to play at 17. Or 18. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, Team English is an older player. Like He's 19. He's a mature yeah. age player. He didn't get drafted last year. I don't think he even entered the draft last year because he had an injury. Right. I think that's um, good to So he that. is uh, that extra year older mm. um, as well, um, which leads me to, I guess, the, the big question is, where do you see him fitting into this draft? We, we had a couple <sighs> of questions 
about that on the forum. Forza Port asked, uh, do you think Frio will pounce on English with their first pick, which is pick seven? And it just is also asked, uh, would English be too good to pass up at pick 14? I think Frio might because not because he's a local boy, because he feels a need for them. Um, there's time to tutor him under the master. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I can understand just as much if they decided, no, nah, we're just going to go the best midfielder. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah. And he could drop quite away if that happens, really. Um, look, um, look, Frio's ruck stocks are in a pretty dire state. They <laughs> are. Got, yeah, they say. are. But they've got, what, 38-year-old Sanderlands, who's probably going to play next year and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've got an, a, a couple of ordinary sort of Again, sort of mature age guys like Griffin and Hanneth who are, you know, pushing sort of 30 themselves as well. And then there's really nothing left. Um, no. So they really need a, 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 a developable um, Ruckman. So I can certainly see him going there. Um, Gold Coast, I, I would say the same thing. Like they've got Tim Nichols and then pretty much no one. Um, so he, he could very well go with one of Gold Coast's first um, four picks as well. Um, and if you Gold Coast, if you if you like, they need midfielders. Obviously, they're going to get Bows. They're going to get Shear um, as uh, academy picks. They, they're probably going to pick someone like Taranto. Um, could well end up with uh, Petrovsky Seaton as well. And why not get the Ruckman to go with that bunch so they can all develop together? Yeah. Look, um, I kind of this is going to sound weird, but I kind of feel like if Fremantle don't take him, I don't think we should either. Um, because they, you know, they should, these questions, and I'm saying, like, the ultimate question, like, what's his coachability like? I mean, they're in WA. They have the best resources watching this kid, and if they don't think he's worth the top 10 pick, then I don't think we should be drafting him in the first round. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think it depends on who else gets drafted before pick 14. Um, mm. there, there is a chance, depending on who goes, there is a chance that he might actually be the best available player left at that spot, which is going to be great. Um I, th- I think we might get someone better at 14. If he's there at 17, I'd be pretty happy to uh, to pull the trigger. I wouldn't. Look, honestly, I would rather I'd rather go into draft day saying we're going to draft three Ruckman on the rookie list and then just cross his name off. Mm. Like, that, that That would be it. If we could do that, or, or even like Ruckman or, or slash Ruckman uh, key position players, you know, the part-timers. Yeah. If, we could, if we could let up our rookie well, list, because the there's a couple of good ones. You know, we yeah, talked well, about that, it. That's the other, uh, that's the other yeah. clear, isn't it? Is English going to be that much better than a Peter Adams or a Sean Darcy or a, a Jordan Sweet? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm not sure he will. Or even a um, what Brock McGregor. You know, mm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's a. I wouldn't say that it's a, a certainty that English will be better than Brock McGregor. Um, <laughs> sorry, because he's got smarts too. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. See, I would rather take a bunch of late punts with Ruckman because of that development time that you need to really judge whether they're going to be good enough. Um, and we've got we've got more important things to do than draft. <laughs> we've got more important things to do than use a first round pick on a Ruckman right now. Yeah. Um, so I just don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I'd be happy to uh, to overlook him for midfielders. Um, mm. If the midfielders that I want aren't there, I'd be happy to take him. For the first two picks, um, I don't reckon there's a possibility that I wouldn't be able to find midfielders I want to draft at those two picks. So I don't. I think that's a. I don't even think that's a question for me. I'm, I'm pretty happy to draft 
<laughs> from my list, pick 14 and 17, because there's going to, there has to be, by process of elimination, there has to be a few of my guys there that I'd rather have ahead of English at those picks. So. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Right, moving on. And uh, the next player we're going to talk about is Jake Waterman from Claremont, mm. who is uh, part of the West Coast Academy, um, who's 189 centimetre, 93 kilo key forward, uh, looks and plays a lot like Jack Darling. He's got that sort of body shape and that sort of um, kind of sluggishness, I guess you'd say. He's uh, he's very, very strong. He's ready-made. Um, really good skills. I think he's a good uh, mark out on a lead. He's a strong contestant mark. I think he's a really, really nice kick for goal. I think he's got a lot going for him, uh, except for his kind of potential scope and if he can uh, bring the style of game that he plays to AFL level. Yeah, um, he's a guy that... Uh, he's got that really excellent mark, that's true. And I think there's a role for him as like a second-tier lead-up forward, like a third tall forward or something along those lines. Um, and because he seems like a guy that can take a, be in a contest... You know, there might even be room for him to evolve into other roles as well. He could be a defensive forward um, in theory, but I don't know if he's got the fitness for that. So then that makes that less viable. Um, I just don't think he's enough anything, uh, which worries me. I have similar concerns to him as I have about Battle, except Battle's a bit a bit, a bit better equipped in, in all those aspects. But Waterman does have a good contested mark. There's no doubt. I like his mark. Yeah. Look, he is very similar. He's probably a little bit more athletic than what Battle is, um, yeah. except for probably his uh, his endurance. But endurance, yeah. Um, he's a little bit quicker. He's got better agility. Um, I like his skills. Oh, yeah, I don't know. He's, he's a really hard one to rate because he's obviously very well built. Um, he, he doesn't really need to improve his body much more. No. But is he as good now as he's going to get? Look, he could be. Um, <laughs> he could be. Um, but I, I kind of feel like him and Battle are in a similar boat, personally. Like, that's that's for me. Like, if we're thinking about drafting Battle, then I sort of think, well, can we get Waterman cheaper if we're going to do that? I'm yeah. kind of in favour of not really going after either. But there you go. Mm. Well, I don't mm. think we'd land Waterman anyway because I'm pretty sure West Coast would probably match um, unless a bid came sort of ridiculously early. But um, yeah, I'd expect yeah. a bid to probably come after 40 um, yeah, possibly a, a bit later than that as well. Um, but look, he had a good year. Like he he's had mm. uh, really good figures all year. Um, at Colts level, he picks up a lot of the ball, picks up a hell of a lot of the ball, and takes a lot of marks, kicks a lot of goals. He kicked uh, twenty four goals in, uh, uh, I think, about twelve games. Um, so he's got, you know, he's got good form behind him. Um, on debut, on uh, Waffle Senior debut, he, he kicked five goals. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, that's a very good performance. Also picked up twenty two touches and eight marks in another senior game. So he can find a lot of the footy. It's just whether he can actually develop into uh, becoming a little bit more than uh, the sort of one dimensional player that he is at the moment. Um, if he is to get to AFL level. Yeah, he's definitely a player about whom you wonder if there's hidden depths to him. Um, there might be, but they're not apparent. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. That's a, that's a call for the real recruiters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, right, moving on. And the next player is also someone that's uh, going to be talked about with um, our first batch of picks, I think. Mm. And that's uh, Shy Bolton from uh, South Fremantle. Uh, who's 177 centimetres, 67 kilo. Uh, can play on a wing, can play as a small forward. I think he's a lot like Lewis Jetta. 
he is lightning quick, absolutely lightning quick. Um, loves to run and carry the ball, loves to have a bounce, loves to have the ball in his hands, super dangerous around goals. He's got good instinct, good goal now. Um, there's a lot that I don't like about him as well. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm probably going to be saying the bits I, that you don't like about him. Um, <laughs> look, I think he's got, a, he's got a fantastic tank. He's willing to run all day. So if you're talking about things like speed endurance, he's probably got it, okay? Yeah. Um, but I kind of feel like he doesn't take that step when he kicks. I think his disposal is pretty ordinary. Um, and I'm, the thing that really worries me is that if he loses an inch of pace, he's done, yeah? Like, he's already he's already at this level, he's already... There are some players that run into a contest knowing they can get through it, and there are some people that just seem to get caught. And he feels to me like a player that just seems to get caught a bit much. He gets the ball yeah. away, but it's not really useful. Yeah. I think that if you're looking for a small player to come in, um, well, we're going to discuss one of them. would be much keener on in about two players' time, so... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I look. I don't. I don't really rate him. I certainly don't want us to draft him at thirty or thirty-one. And I think that later in the draft, probably someone else will pick him up because he does have that work rate. He does have that athleticism. Um, but I just feel his quality isn't there. Yeah, there's two parts to, to Shea Bolton, I reckon, and that's there's the forward pocket, who could be anything. Kicks a lot of goals. Kicked thirty-seven goals in fifteen games this year, so he he can find the target. You look at his highlights, and it's really instinct stuff. You know, one grab, one step, goal. You know, that sort of thing, which mm. you can't really teach. I think that's great. Then there's the mm. second part, which is the potential wingman uh, running with the ball, sort of pushing from half back to like how Lewis Jetta used to play in that Premiership year for the Swans in 2012. Um, I think he's got that sort of potential in him to become that sort of player and become a real weapon um, at AFL level doing that. But Look, his kicking is atrocious at times. Like, Appalling. he is... For someone who's got such great goal now, his field kicking is deplorable. Like, it's probably the worst kick in the draft, I'd say, because there's sort of two things. The, the thing that I sort of relate him to is you think back to primary school and you think of sort of playing footy at lunchtime and there's always a kid that's you know, pretty arrogant and that much better than everyone else that's that's playing your game at lunch, who grabs the ball, takes eight bounces and kicks a goal and he kicks 25 goals and, you know, no one wants to play with him because he's a, a hog and doesn't pass the ball. And I feel like he's that sort of player that's grown up sort of thing. Like, he still seems to play football like he's that sort of primary schoolyard bully. Um, oh, where he just that's a bit of a... It sounds harsher than what I mean it to be. It's... I think you, I think you have some memories there that you need to share, Maka. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really at all. I just feel like he's that sort of player that gets the ball and then tries to do far too much with it, gets caught, and is forced mm-hmm. into a rush, rush disposal, which uh, inevitably sort of uh, grubbers along the ground, sort of thing. Like I, yeah. the key to Shea Bolton becoming the player that he could be at AFL level. I think means that he needs to drastically change the way that he thinks about football. I agree. Um, I think that he's kind of like if you put like, put it like a, a net of electrodes on his head and then you know zapped him every time you wanted him to run. I feel like that's the way he plays. Like he's constantly being zapped and has to run, 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 run. <laughs> but he doesn't. That he, like he doesn't settle. He doesn't settle before he kicks, and no, that's a huge no. that's a huge sin for any player. There's in, two in things football. that he does. He either yeah. boots it as hard as he possibly can. Yep. Or he tries to boot it as hard as he possibly can and it grubbers along the ground. That's that's his two kicks. 
um, when he's playing further up the ground at the moment. He doesn't, as you said, he doesn't have that ability to settle and sort of pin up targets. Um, And I think he needs to do that if he's going to be a success at AFL level. If he can do that, he could be anything. Well, he could potentially be one of the best players in this draft, but he could be an absolute flop as well. For me, I think that that's the issue isn't that he can't settle, but that I think he is aware that his pace is really on the edge. And that's what I said earlier about if he loses an inch of pace, he's in real trouble. Yeah. Uh, so that if he's not running full pelt, if he slows down for a second, maybe he doesn't, first of all, maybe he doesn't keep the awareness of where his opponents are. And that's why he feels he has to constantly play like that. Um, and the second one is that maybe if he feels if he does settle, he will just be too slow to dispose in the con- in the situations he runs himself into. Um, either way, it's concerning. Um, it's coachable, so that's why I think yeah, they still get drafted. Absolutely, yeah. but it's a tricky one. It's because that's a that's a that's a head coach one, like a brain coach, a psychologist type of one. Yeah. Um, to say, hey, you got time, chill out, and that's a that's an on field leadership one as well. Let's face it, like that's. Um, when he does it, that's someone like Jackson Trengo saying, hey, mate, calm down just a little bit, make sure to settle your kicks. You know, little reminders on the field from a good team. Um, yeah. And again, he's another player that if he goes to a terrible team, I don't think he'll do well. Yeah, well, this is why he's going to get drafted pretty early, I think, is for that potential scope that he yeah. could become just an absolute lightning-quick damaging wingman that carries the mm. ball, kicks, you know, 30, 35 goals a year, whilst picking up that sort of 20 touches running up and down a wing. Um so I think for that reason, he's going to go sort of... Um, he's certainly pushing first round. Uh, there's a possibility he might fall out of the first round, but um, I would think he's definitely gone by our second batch of picks. I think Adelaide at 13 would be pretty keen. I think Brisbane with three picks between 16 and 22 are going to be keen. Uh, Sydney love that sort of play, and I think Essendon as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, 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 don't, want, I, I don't think he should be one of our selections. If he's there at 30, would you uh, pull the trigger? No, if he was there at, what, 85 or whatever it ends up being bumped <laughs> up to, then, then, but no. Okay. Well, because he's enough. just looking, he's got enough questions on him and he doesn't meet a need, so that's for me, he says we can yeah. do better. Oh, I think he meets a need in terms of pace <sighs> and run and carry and all that sort of stuff, I think he said. Mm, how many he, players do we I have that can already... even asked that, that question on Big Footy was, um, is he the sort of player that could replace Matthew White? Um, no, because Matthew White's a really good kick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and no, also like that's the that's we've already recruited for that role. We've already recruited Amon and Impy and all these guys to play those sort of roles. Yeah. Yep. We we don't need we don't need more of the. That's what I'm saying. Like he's not a need in that respect. You say he's a need because we need to improve in that area. But we've already got the solution on our list. Um, they just need to develop more, and we need to develop them right. Uh, whereas. You know, there's a lot of other roles on our side that I think are probably more important to recruit for. And I'm just I'm constantly astonished by how many fandoms seem to have Atley outside the top 30. So there's no way I'm drafting Bolton ahead of him if he's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true, very true. Absolutely. And I agree 100% with Atley as well. Um, yeah. yeah, look, he, he's one that uh, I'd probably pull the trigger on. Um, if I was the Crows or Brisbane, I'd be uh, pulling the trigger on Shy Bolton, but uh, probably sweating profusely whilst doing it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I don't <laughs> look I don't think I don't I don't know maybe it's one of those it's one of those things where at the top of my head I think oh he wouldn't fit into the crow system but on the other hand it might be that the crow system will give him that confidence and surety in himself that he needs that maybe he does learn to take that step in which case that could be an excellent thing so yeah that's that's an interesting one actually hmm hmm 
Right, moving on and on to another yep. player that uh, could be potentially drafted by Port Adelaide, oh. and that's Griffin Logue from uh, the Swan Districts, who's 193 centimetre, 90 kilo um, endurance uh, key defender, can play as a third toll defender as well. I reckon he plays a lot like Will Schofield from West Coast. Um, he's got that great ability to read the play, zones off, uses the ball really, really well on the rebound. Um, his intercept marking is probably the best in this draft. I think he's also probably the best one-on-one defender in this draft pool as well. Uh, uses his body really, really well. Um, I think he's a he's a wonderful left foot kick. I love his kicking. Um, physically, he's a standout as well. He's got um, elite endurance, really good natural leap as well, um, and is uh, is super quick um, to go with that as well. So physically, he's got all the tools. Um, are you a fan of Griffin? I am an I don't know of Griffin. Um, he's a real like, – um, my opinion changes regularly. So all those positives you just listed, I agree with all of them. And I think as far as like around pick 14, if you're looking for a player that has huge potential upside to be a game-changing player in his own right, he's probably right up there among them. Yeah. But he also has huge potential to break the rule of the first round, which is that maybe avoid guys who are utilities, and that's what he feels like to me. Um, he's okay one-on-one, but and he's good at attacking. He's got the fitness, but if he can't combine them, then which is he? How do you play him? Uh, and then the question is, does he have the brain to combine those? Like, does he have the brain to be the guy that shuts down a defender and then knows when to run off? Um, and I don't know. I don't know. Like, he's got all the physical attributes. But the brain is is the trick is here. The brain is absolutely the trick with Griffin Lake. There are sometimes you see that he comes out of defence and he goes, oh, that didn't work out, and then he doesn't know where his opponent is. Um, that's that's the combination. That's really tough to do. If he can do both of those things, if he can learn to do both of those things, to man an opponent and then run off, he will be absolutely a superstar. If he doesn't, then he'll be a dud. Yep. Huge upside, huge downside. Okay, I... I don't see a lot of the potential... Obviously, there's downside with every single player, but I don't think he'll be a dud, as in, um, like, won't play many games. I think, worst-case scenario, he becomes sort of like a bog-standard defender. Um, But, look, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe the the fear is that he becomes someone like Tom Cleary, which might be harsh on Tom, but Tom was another one who... Had that great natural endurance, good speed, and, and plays a hell of a lot like Griffin Logue does as well. And he hasn't really come on, um, I guess, as expected. Um, I guess the, the the big thing with Griffin is that there is that potential for midfield scope in the in the future. He played one game there uh, for the Colts this year and picked up thirty three touches and four marks, mm, uh, mm. which is a, a great sign and something which I think has a lot of sort of recruiters' tongues wagging quite a bit. Um, so again, if he could become that sort of a potential sort of wing or midfield player in the future, um, you know, the sky's the limit. For me, like of all the players, so we talk about Marshall and we've talked about everyone almost now, um, if all the players that might drop to pick 14, he's probably the top of my list of would make an exception for, um, because he does have that midfield scope. The upside is so incredibly high. Like he could be Adam Goods, realistically, He'd almost be an Adam Goods yeah. if he if he can put it all together. Yeah. Um, and that's not something you sneeze at. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if he's there at fourteen. I think I take him. Um, and in part, probably because it means that someone else that we would probably be saying, "Oh, definitely take him at fourteen is gone. Um, yeah. But if he gets to fourteen, I think he'll go before fourteen. I think he'll get to thirteen. And go to Crows. 
Um, I think would, Sydney at nine. Yeah, I reckon likely. that's probably... Yeah. He, he, he looks so much like a Sydney-type player, and they need key defenders. Um, I think they're going to be super interested. I think Frio at seven at a stretch uh, might be a chance. I think uh, West Coast, uh, just before our pick, will certainly be interested. I think the Crows are interested as well. Um, I know they're sort of looking for another sort of key defender to help out Talia um, and to sort of help replace Hardigan in the future, I think. Um, so there's certainly a lot of uh, potential uh, picks before we get to our pick 14, where he might go. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. We have to focus on draft day. But like I said, I mean, he's the one I would make an exception for from the get the center screen mids, half forward um, type contesty guys. That, that's, that he's the he's the big exception to that because there there is that potential, and it would fit perfectly in with the style of game that we're trying to build. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, like I think, I, I, bit... I think he would suit Port Adelaide down to a T with how he tried to play yeah. footy. I reckon he would yeah. be absolutely perfect. He's kind of O'Shea but better in terms of his running capability, but he's got the defensive ability and he's got great skills and potential to move into the midfield in the future. I think. Um, that's certainly a player that we could certainly do with. Um, even though we, we do have quite a few sort of key defenders still on our list, um, the chance to get a, a potential elite one, it's going to be hard to overlook, I think. Well, here's a question for you. If you're Frio, do you pick Logue or English at pick seven? I think... Oh, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, yeah, I'd, right? still, I'd still kind of sway towards Petrovsky Seaton if he's still there as well. Yeah, well, if um, he's not, it's just those two. Like if the... it's between those two, I would say I would go with English just because their ruck stocks are in dire need of a young ruckman to come through. Um, if they had a 22-year-old um, ruckman that could play 22 games next year, I would 100% pick Griffin Logue. I would, I would pick Logue anyway. Mm. Absolutely, I wouldn't have no. I would have no qualms about doing that in that situation. I reckon. I think Logue's a better player than English, and I think he's yeah. He's got just as high a ceiling as what English does, and I think he's got less risk. Uh, yeah, I think English. so. Much less risk, obviously. Yeah. Um, look, I'm a big fan. I'm a huge fan of Griffin Logan. Um, I hope the Crows don't get him <laughs> for a chance because I'd hate <laughs> to see one of my favourite players in this draft pool go to the Crows again. It happens. Um, in before they pick <laughs> Joe Atley as well. Um, oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, certainly, oh, look, with 14 and 17, if he's one of the picks, I'd be pretty chuffed. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Hmm. All right, and moving on to the uh, last player that we want to talk about, and that's uh, Zach Fisher from Perth, who's a 175-centimetre, mm. 61-kilo um, outside-inside mid uh, plays a lot like Sammy Gray, a lot like Ben Kennedy as well. Uh, he is an undersized rover, but he's got wonderful natural ability. Uh, reads the play super well, really good skills, great handball, uh, gets those clearances. Um, is a hard worker, runs up and down the field really, really well. Uh, likes to back up his teammates. Uh, was named All-Australian this year, averaged uh, over 20 touches and five tackles a game for WA. Uh, played the whole year in the seniors for Perth in the Waffle as well, which is great, and uh, averaged 18 disposals and almost three tackles a game. Yeah, he's a player that's got it all, except uh, height, really. Zach Fisher, I think, is possibly the most underrated player in this draft. Yep, I would um, probably agree with that. 
Yeah, I, I kind of feel, and it's all about his brain. It's all about the speed of his brain. He's got the, he's got the twitch fibre. He's also got the brain to be able to adjust what he's doing. So some one of the criticisms I did in the first one of these things about the Allies was like Jack Rolls and saying, yeah, if his first option's not there, you know what he's going to do as the second option and he's totally predictable. Zach Fisher is entirely unpredictable. He can you, you see like even if you just look at short link things like the highlights, there's one there where he um he, you can see he's trying to do a handball. He realizes he physically can't do it. And in the middle of sort of stumbling around, he manages to change not only how he's doing it, but also find a completely different target, and it gets it to him. Um, he can change his plays mid-play. And so for Port Future, for Future Port, he is an excellent sort of player. Um, we keep hearing, you know, stoppages, yeah, they're good, but you get a lot of goals from turnovers. He is the guy that you want reacting to a turnover in the midfield. Um, and I think that's what would make him a possible exception to my rules on the, the, the midfielders. I think we could justify drafting him at 30 That um, if we are dedicating ourselves to the press uh, and that um, going immediately from you defense must really to attack. Like him. <laughs> I really, you must yeah. Really, really I really, really like him. Yeah, right. For you to say, I, yes, let's draft 175 yeah, centimeter right? that weighs as much as my four year old. I know, yeah, I know. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Look, I mean, I just think that he's got that ability. Like, I don't know that he's not the guy that I'm going to say that you want him basically to be crunched at every ball up. I don't think he's that guy, but I think he's the guy that in the middle, if you're reacting to a turnover, so if you've just got a, an excellent intercept from Griffin Logue and you need someone doing the, the smart running in midfield so you can get the ball moving the other way, I mean, he's the guy you want reacting to that and making the right decisions and getting it through traffic. Um, I, I, I think, look, I've got a, I put a big bonus on players that have a brain. Um, I was probably the only person in South Australia that was not a, a football recruiter that when we drafted Josh Carr back in 1998 with an early pick, I was like, oh, yeah, fantastic. He's got a brain. He's fantastic. <laughs> I think he could be that kind of category of player. He's obviously not as built as um, Josh Carr, but he's got some agility and stuff that Josh Carr never had. So um, I'm I'm really keen on Zach Fisher. I talked about how the WA under-18 style favours uh, or seems to focus on guys that can just keep going and going and going and be attack-minded. Uh, and while it might hurt some players that we talked about earlier in this show, um, I think that it has shown for Zach Fisher exactly what he can be at AFL level, and that's why I think he's underrated. Yeah, for sure. I think he needs to improve. He is a hard runner, but he needs to improve mm. his endurance if he's to make it at AFL level. Absolutely. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot to like about him. He's a natural footballer. He knows how to play footy. Um, if he gets a chance, I think he's going to be a success. And... Uh, yeah, his draft range, he could go... Yeah, look, he, he might actually be in uh, in contention for our picks uh, 30 or 31. Absolutely. Um, he might go a little bit later than that as well. Uh, I think he starts to be considered around that sort of second round mark. And yeah, you know, would also suit uh, a team like West Coast or, or St Kilda or North Melbourne as well. Look, for me, this is the sort of thing, like, if we draft three good, you know, proper-sized midfielders at 14, 17 and 30... Uh, guys that can contest in the middle and go for you know, fill the fill the more urgent midfield needs. Then adding him as a fourth one to that batch, I think that would be a real value adder. Um, so I could definitely justify the club doing that for sure. Even though we've still uh, got Sam Gray, would you would you still draft? Zach, do you think Zach will become think... better than Sam Gray? I certainly think he'll be more responsive to changes in how the game's going. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think I think Sam Gray is a proposition for as long as it takes to, for Fisher to be physically ready for AFL, which is probably a year or two. Um, but I, I like Fisher as a component in the side. But again, if Hatley's there, I'm going to draft Hatley. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, he's an interesting one, Zach Fisher, and look, he's definitely going to get drafted. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. You yeah, you don't agree with my assessment, do you? <laughs> I, I agree with your assessment. I, I'm not sure he suits Port Adelaide. Um, just because we've got Sam Gray, who's essentially exactly the same player. But he's, but he's no, he's not. He's not. He's he's Sam. He that, like he Sam is. Gray as a junior and playing through the SANFL was just as impressive as what Zach Fisher was this year. Um, so that's always the concern, I think. Um, I wouldn't be unhappy if we drafted him. Uh, but yeah, it would just be another one of those sort of. Oh, another sort of sub one eighty players led to the list. <laughs> oh yeah, if if we don't absolutely address those core midfield concerns with the first three picks, I definitely don't want to draft him. Um, I don't I don't want to add him to like a Witherden and a, a Logue and something else. Like I don't think there's any point in that. Um, but if you're talking about like building the future midfield unit in this draft, considering we're putting basically two drafts into this one, mm. um, then absolutely he could be part of that unit for sure. If we go midfield heavy and he's like yeah. the fourth of four midfielders. I'd and they're all 186 centimetres or taller. Yeah. 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 Yep. I agree. Because yep. picking the natural talent um, over the uh, sort of athlete, um, if we go the path of like someone like a Power Pepper and an Atley, that sort of thing. I yeah. Would, uh, yeah. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I think that'd be a good combination. Yeah. Well, that is it for this evening. That's all the mm. plays we've got to, for tonight. Um so we've got our last draft uh, player preview before the Phantom Draft with Mish, which is next Tuesday. So join us again on Thursday night where we're going to talk about another few players that are going to, get, that are going to relate to Port Adelaide. And that's uh, we're going to talk about Sam Pepper, who's obviously a, um, a huge favourite of our board. Um, someone like Mac Welfy uh, could well be in the mix as well. Josh Rotham, um, Liam Ryan for a... Uh, for a small forward, and uh, we're going to revisit an old friend in uh, Mason Shaw as well. Yeah, and look, I mean, I just want to, seeing um, the last podcast we did, we didn't, re- the comment section on Spreaker wasn't showing up, I just wanted to comment on a couple of the ones here. Question from Jimmy Unchained, thoughts on Clayton Oliver getting a DUI, potential good bloke in the making? Isn't it funny how when Jay Schultz did it, it was this huge thing, and now we just sort of seem to be moving past it with a press release? Isn't that strange? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, if your name's Jay Schultz or Cameron Cloak, then you lose sponsorships, and now it's like, nah, he's 19. No, he do not know yeah. any better. No, no, no one even cares anymore. There's just so much else going on in the league. You know, we've got uh, Whitfield, yeah, six months out because he wasn't there for a drug test, and you've got a DUI. Uh, it's not even game. Um, and things about wanting to draft, please return the hyphen to Port Adelaide from Bevan, um, which, okay, that would be interesting. Uh, confirmation that, yeah, about the Ruck situation, Scott Ken Collins saying Cox, Sanderlands, Mumford and Jacobs, all rookies. And earlier we had someone pointing out that the first round picks of Brooke, Kreutzer, Lobby and Leuenberger. Gee, you wouldn't really want to be making a punt on a Ruck in the first round, would you? But, um, yeah, so thanks for chiming in on Spreaker Chat. We do read it. When we can yeah. see the comments. So, yeah. thank you. We read every single comment that's written there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We certainly do appreciate it very, very much. Mm. And, yes, join us next Thursday. And then next week, uh, obviously on the Tuesday, we're going to have our Phantom Draft. And then I think the week after that, we're going to have our Draft Review, where we see what uh, goodies Port Adelaide picked up, um, whether there's any melts uh, that are going to be justified. And uh, any surprises that might happen as well. Yeah, are we, are we not? Are we just doing it after the PSD and the rookie draft? Though we're not doing one for the actual draft day. 
No, we'll do it so we can okay. talk about all of them. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. So you have. Yeah. All right. We'll save. We'll save the, the actual draft day melts on Big Footy. So tune into Big Footy. Yeah. <laughs> Always up for a melt. I love it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good to get um, Shy Bolton and Zach Fisher with fourteen and seventeen? <laughs> So cheap I'm walking on rakes. <laughs> That's it. Alright, tune in again on Thursday and uh thanks for coming on again, Portia. And uh Thank we'll you, Maka. Thank you everyone, and Thursday we'll do the last one of these. Oh my god. Yeah. Can the forts. Carlisle sends it long, Modlock just on and takes the mark. He can give Port Adelaide the lead. Hamstring hurt. Plays on. Sends it high. Goal square. Long. McVay gets back. Port Adelaide in front. The magic man. 